things he won't share with us The darkness in his brain The dungeon master's plan The pleasure and the pain What's better left unknown Keep calling out to me I hear him think out loud To die Only the brave shall come Open to page one My name is Che Webster and this is the Roleplay Rescue Dungeon Master's Diary. Hi Che, it's Barry here from Shadow of the GM Podcast. This is just a message to um, talk about the GURPS Combat game we did last night and a little bit of like my thoughts about it. Yeah, first of all, the technical problems at the start were a little bit niggly, but it was more around, I guess, in my point, my laptop had anything to do with the fantasy grounds and that wasn't really to do with GURPS. Um, it was interesting playing it because I have a lot of memories from back in well, when I was a teenager and my brother used to run GURPS and I played a bit and ran a little bit and I didn't really remember so much about the sort of active defence thing and whether that made you know combat slower as opposed to games like D&D or the ones where you've only got like one defence number to against but and to be fair it did start off feeling a little bit clunky I think you might agree when we did the combat it was a little bit slower at start whilst we kind of get to grips with it then I feel we all did kind of get into it by certainly by near the end of the session we're running that last little combat we didn't have much time I think it was flowing a lot faster we're making decisions a lot quicker um, and I think I did really enjoy it I think if the um, combat in GURPS if the active defences were arbitrary so say you had just one attack and one defence roll and it was just a defence that you had I possibly wouldn't like the mechanic if it just like I would roll to hit and somebody's always rolled a dice to try and nerf me but I think the way GURPS does it where it breaks it down into those things like you've got your dodge, your power and your block, that that kind of worked in a way. Um, so for example when I was charging into combat and I made a block in one sense and a dodge another, it did kind of really add to my opinion the visualisation around it so there wasn't just a tactical element of, you know, well this is a dodge and that's got the surplus level success and the block's better but I can use it once and power. So that was there, but then it did really sort of add after the fact when I was thinking about it in my head and kind of imagining what my character was doing, it was one of those few rare instances where the mechanic of the game actually seemed to aid visualisation Visualization. So I actually made me sort of think a bit more about what was happening in combat and made that clearer in my mind as to exactly what was happening. I mean, on the flip side, the other sort of complexity around it is the different options around attacking. I mean, I used to play third edition D&D, so there's lots of options there, especially with different feats. And, you know, again, I, I sort of liked it. I mean, it's one of those things that will take experience the more we play it, the more we'll get used to what options you can take around all out attacks and all out defences and other advanced combat manoeuvres that you can take. Um, but again, it was quite nice having that choice, and I think it was really good. That when you played, you felt a lot more control around those choices. So you've got control over how you attack and also control about how you defend. And again, like I said, from the visualization point of view, it adds to the fact that you know you know just rolling an arbitrary number and someone's then you know randomly doing something and just misses, and the GM has to then narrate you know well it bounced off a shield or you, you missed wildly into the air. It's like you've got a lot more control when you're attacking, and you might just fudge it or you might have hit them really well, but then the character's got good control and it sort of you know it shows how they're good at gives you sort of an image of the opposing character about how good they are at blocking and parrying, etc., or just ducking and weaving if they're really good and dexterous I mean the other thing that I did wonder about when before we played it was around the how long it takes you to ready arrows and shoot arrows from like if you've got a bow and it did feel like that would probably be quite a long time the whole sort of three turn thing to do it with two ready actions when it before we started playing felt quite long but to be fair having played it how deadly groups can be from our experience you know, when you've got a 50 point character it kind of worked I think that that you had that time to kind of move in advance on an opponent to attack them 
and it was quite good that they couldn't necessarily shoot ribbons before you got there, which probably wouldn't be very realistic in that sort of space. The amount of time you can probably cover as a human being if you're charging into someone. They shouldn't be able to shoot too many arrows at you in that situation. So it probably was a lot more realistic, whereas maybe some other games aren't where you get to shoot more often. Um, and so I guess it's an option there about your level of crunch about that. And there are things like fast draw, which you can take, which, you know, will produce that. I mean, I can't remember the rules for fast draw for hours, but I'm pretty sure it does let you load them faster. Um, for those, it means a lot more tactics about, you know, do you choose or do you choose to radio weapon to fight them back instead. And in some ways, it probably reflects that when you bring in the more modern firearms and stuff that you are going to expect to see a lot more shots, even with the really sort of basic ones that can only fire a couple of rounds um, a turn. They should be a lot faster than a bow, uh, if you think about it from a realistic point of view. Um, I guess the key thing with the GURPS is that I think, you know, the more you play it, and certainly we saw that the na that night we played it last night, that, you know, the more we got into it, the more we sort of got a handle around what we could do. It did run a lot smoother, and I think it's one of those games that if you master it and the players master it, it can run a lot more fast and a lot more smoothly than it did when we probably started playing it and I think you know I can definitely see myself playing it um, I know Jason's still trying to persuade me that Shadowfish World runs better and it might do we'll have to try it and see I'm going to put those things I do have a look at but I'm definitely not put off GURPS by the combat system which is probably the one thing that was a little bit more clunky I felt on the mechanics but I actually really enjoyed it to be honest so anyway that's me enough for me now I shall speak to you later keep on gaming Barry there Shadow of the GM great to hear from you dude and thanks so much for calling in and giving your thoughts on what was really a one-off session of trying out combat practice, really, for GURPS. And uh, yeah, we just played some quick fantasy fights with very low points characters, I think about 50 points or something. Um, yeah, it was all good fun. Uh, just wanted to pick up on one thing, really, which was about the bow fire thing. I find a lot of players get hung up on this. And I think it's because a lot of players get hung up on the combat turn being one second long. Now, if you think about, you talked about Dungeons and Dragons 3rd edition back in the day. And if you think about Dungeons and Dragons generally in the sort of contemporary editions, what you're talking about is a six second combat round. Now, as I remember correctly, the basic kind of rate of fire of a bow in D&D &D is one shot per round. You'd have to have some pretty cool powers at higher levels to get more than one shot per round. So that's one shot every six seconds. In GURPS, if you don't have any other abilities, you can fire a long bow or a short bow every three seconds so in fact you get twice the rate of fire that you do in Dungeons and Dragons which makes GURBS well a heck of a lot more sort of realistic if that's the word but it also makes it a heck of a lot more lethal and yeah you picked up on the right points regarding gunfire because if you're getting into using firearms which obviously GURPS can do and Dungeons and Dragons handles should we say less well um yeah the rate of fire is very very different but i just wanted to kind of point out that massive difference and this is where i think comparing game systems gets difficult because i think you know you do need to look at the specifics of what those game systems are trying to do and what um experience they're emulating so um i i kind of sometimes think that the hardest shift to make with GURPS is one second actions you know, you can do something in one second. Players are so used to trying to cram everything into a six-second round and trying to get loads of stuff done. Um, and actually, in GURPS, it's simple. What do you want to do? You do that. Um, and sometimes you can like move and attack. Sometimes you just attack. Sometimes you go all out. Sometimes you go all out defense. Um, but they're pretty straightforward maneuvers. And it is actually, I think, just simpler. Anyway, thanks, Barry, for your call in. Totally appreciate it, dude. Game on. Hey there, Jay. It's John from the Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your Dungeon Master's Diary number 37. And yeah, I I'm a fan of ICRPG. 
you don't like it as you say it's a personal opinion that's fair enough different strokes for different folks i do have to agree with you though about the whole players doing their homework thing excuse me and i do find this frustrating myself when people have abilities on their carriage sheet so they make no effort to learn and i'm not saying we should all know everything 100 percent because i've had times when i'm playing a new system and i've and i've maybe like picked a piece of equipment that uh, i don't know but other players have chipped in to help me out or i've quickly looked them up in the book while the gm's talking about something else and that normally deals with the matter and it saves the gm some work because being a gm myself i know how much work you're already putting into the setting and the session I'm pretty lucky at the minute that I've got a couple of good regular groups and when we started off our recent ICRPG session and we were using the expanded magic rules, I said to the players up front, I'm going to rely on you if you want to cast a spell to say I'm casting this spell, I need to make this roll and it has this effect because I do not intend to memorise all of these spells, my memory being quite poor, or look them up every time they're used and the players were fine with that. I think it helped have that set out at the start and everyone's been pretty good so far. We're only a session in, so we'll see how it goes, but things are looking promising. But that is one of the reasons that I, as you were saying, prefer a slightly smaller group because things like that are easier to manage by far. And I've experienced that situation where you get sort of seven, eight, nine, ten sessions into a campaign and you get a player who's like, oh, I'm not really enjoying this system or I'm not sure I really like my character. And much as you've said, I have to wonder why, if you're not enjoying your character or you're not enjoying a game, you don't bring that up as soon as you realise that you're not enjoying it rather than waiting an amount of time for the game to progress and then bringing up later when it's more awkward and more difficult to do anything about. And I'm not saying Jason's doing that by any means. I'm sure he didn't mean it to come off like that. But I found it incredibly frustrating when that sort of situation has happened. And I know certainly at least one or two other GMs that I speak to regularly have found it frustrating the same, given the amount of effort that GMs already put into the games. Anyway, dude, I'm enjoying your GM's diaries. Take care, stay safe, keep gaming, and I'll see you soon. Excellent to hear from you there, John. Thanks so much for another great call-in. And yeah, I you know, I don't think there's a lot to add. I think that, that question at the end about why do players not fess up and speak up earlier, I think there are different views on that. Um, I heard it expressed uh, uh, recently to me by one of the players that I'm running with, that whole idea of, well, you know, you should give a you should give a game two or three sessions, or probably three sessions, it's like a new TV series, give it three sessions, see how it pans out. And then if you're not enjoying it, you can either bow out or change things. But what I thought was really interesting in what you were saying was that, and I've noticed this as well, it doesn't seem to occur to players that they could just turn around to you and say, I'm enjoying the game, but I just don't really enjoy this character. Um, or maybe even as a group, it's like, well, we're kind of enjoying the world and we're kind of enjoying what's going on, but could we like change it a little bit this way so that it's kind of more fun for us? And I don't know, honestly, how I would respond to that as GM. I'd like to think I'd be all adult and grown up about it and uh, not take it personally. And But, you know, I think that that is a really valid approach to sort of turn around and say, well, I'm not enjoying this. And I think the other side of that as well is is if it depends on how severe that in, that lack of enjoyment is, isn't it? I mean, if you're really, like, first session out, realise the character you've got is utterly crud um, and, you know, isn't what you imagined at all, then, goodness sake, speak up. 
Um, I had this again fairly recently over the last um, year or so with players kind of designing characters that turn out to be totally suboptimal. And I think that's probably even more urgent if it's a one-shot or short-run game. I mean, in a longer campaign, obviously, you've got time to develop things. But, um, yeah, you've got to fess up quick, right? Because otherwise, why are you there if it's not fun? Thanks. Brilliant to hear from John. Game on. Hey, Josh Beckelheimer here. So I do agree about ICRPG. Not my thing. I purchased it, read through it. Eh, just not for me. I mean, I don't regret buying it. So, but it is what it is. So whatever. But um, I do think it is the GM's job to provide the tools and materials for the players to create their characters. But then it is the player's job to know what their character does. And it's really annoying. It doesn't matter what game system it is. And it's usually about spells. Ooh, I'm going to cast a spell. What does it do again? You should know. You've had this spell for three sessions now. You should have it on your character sheet. You should have it written down. You should just know where it is to find it so you know how the spell works. It's annoying. And then it does take up time if you just don't remember what that spell exactly says. So now you have to go look it up. And it's not a matter of the system. It's now, crap, I don't really just remember the correct wording for that spell. Now we all have to take a break so I can look up this spell that you should already know how it is. So then you can tell me what it does. And like, again, it's not about the system. It's not whether it's GURPS or, you know, Swords and Wizardry. You're going to have moments where your player doesn't know what something is and you just don't remember it right offhand. But you know where it is and you got to still take a moment to look it up and answer their question about it, which can be frustrating when that is their job. The player should know their character. And I understand there'll be some situations where it gets weird. But again, for the most part, the player should know what's on their character sheet, what their character can do. But when that weird stuff happens, that's fine. Josh Beckelheimer there from JB Publishing. Thanks, mate. Brilliant to hear from you. And uh, there are more from you, I know. Um, so I'm going to save those up. I don't think there's much I could add apart from I agree with you. And I, I'm just dead curious as to what weird stuff might come up. But I'm going to leave that to the listener's imagination. Thank you so much for the call in, Josh. Now, before we dive further into the episode, I'm just going to say I think this is going to go to a double simply because there's quite a bit from me um, and there's an awful lot more call-ins and I kind of like to split them up a little bit. So please bear with me. I hope you'll stick through another Dungeon Master's Diary. Let's dive in. Evening of Bank Holiday Monday. Um... Yeah, it's been a nice day. It's been a nice weekend, actually. Spent some time at home with Deb, and um, we've just been together, really, which has been really, really nice. Um, hobbies kind of ground to somewhat of a halt until today. I took some time to do two things, really. Um, after the Saturday kind of book sort, um, the thing that really struck me was this, you know, this kind of need to focus in on getting some of these games played, but also, you know, figuring out what it is I want to do long-term. And I don't know, there's a couple of things there. Um, so I've been starting to talk to 
uh, one of the Friday nights, Ian and I just been having a conversation. I kind of suggested maybe doing Savage Worlds rifts because I really want to find out what that's like. Uh, and that could be something that we do on a Friday night, I don't know. Uh, Andy needs to weigh in on that as well. Um, but I also took some time out on a solo sort of front today, really. And I started looking at um, Prime Directive because I really do enjoy the Starfleet universe. That's amazing, actually. I'd forgotten how much I do enjoy the Starfleet universe. For those who don't know, that's a, a sort of alternate universe that... Um, Started being published, I think, in about 79, um, and takes the original Star Trek stuff um, as the baseline, a starting point, you know, the original series, and then kind of builds a much more coherent um, and also a much more militaristic uh, future that was originally designed for the Starfleet Battles tabletop um, space battle game. Um, in more recent years, I guess, um, I think probably around about the turn of the century, I started. I got involved with playing Federation Commander, which is a sort of more streamlined version of Starfleet Battles. That I've always been a Starfleet Battles fan for many, many years, and I do own both games. And uh, Prime Directive has always been one of those settings for role playing that I wanted to play. You know, I've never really done it. Um, I think I talked about it a couple of times. We got close once, but I, I don't ever remember really playing it. So to do that is really cool. And I've been looking through. There's been a revised edition of that. Um, rule book uh, which is actually built around you know GURPS fourth edition so um that they originally published I think around about 2004 something like that 2000 and maybe a bit later 2006 7 um but actually has just been revised into over the last three years and published I think the end of 2019 start of 2020 and um yeah it's cool I've been looking through it's cool it's signed it's you know it's not the best laid out book but it is a complete game it is taking Gert's fourth edition and developing you know a setting for you know presenting really a setting for that game and I'm really excited about that I'm really up for that um feel like I want to go and make some characters you know and sort of maybe play around with that why not play that with other people but I don't know I, I guess I would if people were interested um but I know that it's something that's a scratch that I want I want you know I need to Need to itch, I need to scratch. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Um, so, yeah, that's what I'm up to. Got to uh, get into Han over the next few days. Got to, some characters to look over, and I need to start writing, you know, and prepping for uh, Saturday's game. Uh, you know, but I've got a week and um, what, four more days, five days really, till the game. So, should be okay. You know, should be able to pull something together, I think. Um, yeah, so in a good place, uh, relaxing. Um, allowing myself a little bit of personal creative space, I think, and um, yeah, enjoying what I'm reading. Game on. Tuesday, and slightly geeky thing has just happened. I uh, I just received some maps from Docs Direct. I'd um, basically had two of the Han or Atlas Hanukkah maps um, printed up onto A3. Um, fairly heavy paper stock, I think about 160, 170 GSM. But I'd ask for them to be um, laminated, matte laminated. Now, a lot of people think about laminate and they think of encapsulation, which is a separate thing for those who are into printing. Um, essentially, lamination isn't quite the same as encapsulation. So encapsulation is where you put the thing in that sort of one of those plastic wallet things and then you kind of put, put the wallet through a heat sealing process that kind of 
encapsulates the whole page. And there's usually a plastic border around the page. But um, lamination is actually putting uh, a surface onto the paper. So you print the sheet and then it's kind of coated. Um, and you can have matte or gloss. I've gone for matte so that I didn't get too much reflection off the page, which is really, really good. And so what I've got is two fairly hardy maps. They're not um, really thick, heavy card or anything. They're just paper, so they can be rolled or, uh, or whatever. But they are uh, laminated, so they, they have a slight uh, plastic sheen to them, which means this, um, you know, in theory, you could use dry white pens and mark on them or whatever. Um, I also thought it might just help pr protect them a little bit from spills at the table, if, th if that was how, you know, what tends to happen. Um... But what's best about these is I actually have the pages. So I know I can open the digital file and I can actually zoom in a long way on the digital files. Well, they're very high quality files from Columbia, Columbia sorry, Games. Um, but actually it's nice having the page, nice to be able to look at it and run your fingers over it and all the stuff. And I've printed up the first two as a bit of a test and I'm frankly quite impressed. They're quite cool. So you get a kind of a A3 page about, it's a square uh, chunk of the big Atlas Han map, uh, which sort of zooms in to a hex map. The hexes are uh, five Harnik leagues, which I think is 12 and a half miles, um, which is a you know, slightly odd scale, I suppose, in some ways, but um, it's basically kilometers, uh, 5K. Uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> it, it works out in kilometers. I know the league is a kilometer thing. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was off the top of my head. But anyway, works out at 12 and a half miles, which is good for hex mapping. Um, and you kind of have a, bat, a strip on the left which actually has a, a key for that map. So you could just use the map as you've got it. So you've got a kind of roughly square map and a key. And they're nice, actually. What's really good is they've got me excited about prepping. I was sitting here wondering, you know, how am I going to get started? And, of course, what's inspired me about Han is the map. So I'm going to look at the maps, actually, um, and see what kind of pops out at me. And already, you know, looking at... Um, at the first one, I can see, you know, oh, the city isn't too far from the wilds. And actually, there's there's lots of stuff um, to go investigate. So, yeah, it's got me kind of warmed up. I'm going to let this ponder and mull. I might have a look at a bit more of a detailed look in a bit. Um, but, yeah, it's good to get a map, isn't it? It's Tuesday night, and I thought I might do a little bit of a look through Savage Rifts. Um, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition has been out for quite a while now, but I haven't had a chance to play it. I've got my leather-bound signed edition of it, um, which I've been starting to read again. Why? Because the Friday Night Gamers have been talking about some of the worlds and games that I'd like to try, and Ian's expressed a bit of an interest in Savage Worlds, so we were talking about... I, I've been quite interested in doing Rifts and Savage Rifts specifically, as you know, I'm quite a big fan of Palladium anyway. So I thought it might be nice to actually have a look at the books and just see what I'm getting myself into here. So there's basically a box set, which is shrink-wrapped, and then there are basically four books on top of that. Um, so the books have got numbers on the side, which I've only really just noticed as I go to look at them now. So um, I'm going to put those to one side, I think. I'm going to put them in order, but I'm going to put them to one side and I'm going to open the box. So, shrink wrap time. Oh, I do like opening boxes. Ooh, welcome to the apocalypse. Three centuries after the great cataclysm nearly destroyed humanity, 
Earth is a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Fueled by the return of magic, holes torn in space and time act as arcane doorways to other realities. Whatever you imagine, whatever you fear, you'll find it somewhere on this chaos-ravaged world. Rifts for Savage Worlds allows you to experience whatever tales of horror, adventure or action you want. Anything you can imagine can become a reality for you and your players. Tell your story and tell it big. Okay, this box contains... The Tomorrow Legion's Player's Guide, I guess is what I've had to start with. The Game Master's Handbook, Savage Foes in North America, a GM screen, the Garnet Town Gambit Adventure, a set of dice, set of bennies, and a map of North America. Okay, sounds very cool. <clears throat> Go inside, and I'm going to have a sniff. Oh, I do love that open of the box smell. Do you do that? I don't know, maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> on top I've got the, what looks like Castle Refuge map um, and it's an aerial view there's a there's an elevation picture and uh, what are we looking at oh there's also leveled map that's kind of cool inside and on the back of it you've got uh, North America which is very very cool very nice to see in the full print as well um, I did not expect that so that's really nice Okay, um, next is a shrink-wrapped, what looks like a GM screen. Oh yeah, Gan Garnet Town Gambit, um, and it's like a little booklet, I think, inside this with a GM screen. I'm going to um, just put that to one side and not open it yet, so I'm not going to go anywhere near GM screen until I'm ready. Um, now, how do I get into this? Okay, so there's some spaces and stuff holding the books, and it's kind of hard to get to them. Oh, right, so three books. Um, and then I've got a bag of dice. Okay. There's one kind of pearlescent dice with the um, the skull motif of the coalition. And then there's a set of regular uh, mixed dice, which of course you use for Savage Worlds. It uses all the polyhedrals. And then a pack of Savage Rifts, Savage Worlds Rifts, Bennies. What's there out there? 20, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 2, 4, 5, 25. I think it said that on the box, didn't it? <laughs> 25 bennies, good. Okay. Um, you've got artwork from Savage Worlds on, sorry, from Rifts on them. Just got a coalition. The one on the end here is a Looks like a coalition kind of raising a flag. Okay. So the books, uh, book one, Tomorrow Legion's Player's Guide. Um, so it contains the information players need to create characters for Rift Savage Worlds and experience the high octane action of Rifts. Okay. Book two, the Game Master's Handbook. Uh, everything you need to adventure on Rift's Earth. You don't have to create everything yourself. We did the work for you so you can enjoy the supercharged adventures of Rift's with your players. Okay, sounds good. Contains the detailed timeline, maps, and faction information for everything happening in North America. Happening in North America, circa 109 PA. That's post-apocalyptic to you new recruits. The rules for generating settlements, conflicts, missions, encounters, rifts in space and time, and even the alternate realities they lead to. Okay, cool. It's not that big a book either. It's only, what, 96 pages, I'm guessing? Yeah, 96 pages. Um, see some random tables. Ooh. That's actually kind of cool. Um, oh, that map I was referring to, a smaller version of that. 
Ooh, very nice. Okay. Um, book three is Savage Foes of North America. Uh, it has all the bad guys and good guys you need to get the adventures in the post-apocalyptic badlands off to a rip-roaring great start. So it says in here, three adventures to get your players right into the action and a list of denizens of Rift Surf so I easily populate this brave new reality. Hmm, okay. Uh, three adventures, that's in, That's actually really appealing because it means maybe I can just run some games. Do you know what I mean? Not have to think about designing much. Ooh. Yeah, I'm quite excited about the idea of Friday nights in Rifts. Um, okay. The, the excitement is bubbling. Book four, then. I'll pick up these pile I put aside. Um, these were the sort of packed loose. Um, my book's slightly scratched, actually, but I'll live with it. Um, Arcana and Mysticism. So, um, so, what does it say? Arcana and Mysticism gives players the tools to dive deep into the magical side of Rifts, including new iconic frameworks, Mars packages, don't know what that means, um, tech, you know, wizardry gear and vehicles. And there are new savage tales, dozens of new creatures to flesh out the threats found in these far-thrown magical realms in a plot point campaign. Okay. Alright. Um. Okay, cool. So stuff on looking inside there's stuff on some DBs and mutants and sorts of new bits and bobs really. Arcane stuff. Um the magic zone, the Federation of Magic. Very cool. Sciescape. Uh, all the good stuff that I remember from the, the Palladium material I have. So, looks great. Alright, that's book four. Book five, Blood and Banes. Uh, additional character options include the new iconic frameworks, packages and miles, packages and races, along with new gear. For Game Master, there are new... Okay, so similar stuff, but this one... Punches legionnaires into the deadly duel with the vampire kingdoms. <laughs> mm. Okay. Taking a look at that. Um, oh, it's got the Zitisix as well. The, uh, the, the uh, insect people. Love it. Okay, and then book six, Empires of Humanity. So this explores the diverse ways humanity has survived the apocalypse and the empire's forge. So new mutant animal races, new iconic frameworks, new edges, um, extensive new gear options and rules for power armor vehicles, guns, explosives, cybernetics, bots and more. Uh, new savage tales and dozens of new foes along with an intrigue-laden plot point campaign. Okay. Uh, this has the uh, coalition guys on the cover um, so I'm guessing that's what's going to touch on let's have a look, yeah, the coalition states the domain of man and the frontiers of humanity and ex machina ok, which is a campaign well, it uh, looks nice so yeah, we get the uh, crusade for humanity <laughs> nice mean animals please tell me Dog boys are in here. I want dog boys. Mutant rats. That's interesting. Mutant felines. Oh, exciting. And book seven, which is a thin paperback. Um, they're all hardback books. Uh, 
varying sizes, around about 90, well, it was 192 pages for um, Empires of Humanity. And I've got a paperback 96 page uh, book 7, Tomorrow Legion's Film Manual, which is um, includes four classic adventures, revised and updated for play, um, for the second edition of the Rift of Savage Worlds, Murderthon, Tome of Destiny, Contamination Principle, and Fine Solution. <laughs> cool. So basically, a few. Uh, <laughs> Four new playable dragon races, the B Bounty Hunter Mars framework, the Venulian snake-like DBs, more than a dozen new edges and elemental beings and stuff. Sounds fun. Seeing pictures of dragons always makes me smile. I do love it. It was, a, you know, Rifts was the game where you could play a dragon. Um, yeah. I mean, art and every layer of this stuff is gorgeous as ever. So I'm really impressed. Um, yeah, I want to read now. So I guess I better start um, right back at book one. <laughs> Tomorrow Legion's Player Guide and my Savage Worlds rule book. Put them together and I'm ready to go. 